Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. Before we get started this week, I just want to address last week's episode with Jake Clark. There was some audio issues and that was totally my fault. Nothing to do with Jake. We just had some issues before the episode even started and I thought I had corrected everything, but it turns out that I didn't and I didn't find out until I was going to edit the episode that there was audio issues. So at that point, there's really nothing that I could do. So I apologize, but please, if you haven't or you weren't able to make it through that conversation because the audio was too low, I urge you go back listen to that conversation. Jake's a great guy and had some really interesting stuff to say about the bands that he's in and the bands that he's been in. So please just go back and check or excuse me, go back and listen to that episode. It was a great one. But this week, the podcast travels to Brooklyn. We talked to Connor Jones. He's been in a ton of bands across America. He was a great guy to talk to. And honestly, I was really happy to finally have somebody on from Illusion and Akulu. Two awesome bands. And I just appreciate how technical he is. Uh, going into this conversation, I didn't really understand how deep some of the music went. So I was a bigger fan after the conversation. So please, without further ado, welcome Connor Jones to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Yo, what's up? How's it going? Yo, uh, it's going okay. I'm happy I was able to get a hold of you and I'm happy that you're able to come on the podcast. I'm glad we got connected, man. Good shit. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted uh, to start. I'm um, going back to like, it was like right before the new year happened, I follow you on Instagram and you were posting stories, um, from like the decade. And I didn't realize like how much like traveling you did. Can you talk about, um, how you got into hardcore and like where you grew up? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm from like, my I've lived in a bunch of different places at, th- at this point. So I lived in like when I was in high school, I went to high school in a place called Sugarland, Texas. Okay. Which is like, which is like right outside of Houston. So all like my first shows were in Houston. And so that's where like I got into hardcore, like at the end of high school and stuff. And then for college, I moved to Boston. I went to college in Boston. And, uh, and so I was in... What's that? I'm sorry. I, I was just going to ask, Um, why made you decide to go to school in Boston? Well, I went to a music school out there. I went to the school called Berkeley. And so I was going to school out there because that was like a school I want to go to for a long time. And so when I got accepted, I was like, well, there's no way I'm not going. And so moved to Boston, literally knew no one in Boston. And like right when I moved, like moved for college was like when I had basically, I was like, 
it, that's when I first really got into hardcore. Music. It was like right before I moved to Boston. And then I moved to Boston where there's like, you know, my first show was like the first week that I was there. And it was a house show that Bane headlined. And so it was just madness. And I was like, okay, this is different than anything I've ever, you know, in Texas at that point had experienced. I, I went to a Chaos and Chaos, that fest that happened in Austin for a while. And like, obviously those shows were badass, but it needs all of that. And like, right after that Bane show, I was like, it was like Clear, Free Spirit. Who else played? I think Beware played. And then week after that, went to like a Trapped Under Eyes show. And I was like, okay. It's, it's, it's just, you know, I had never experienced like a hardcore scene that was that. It was just on a whole other level than anything I'd experienced in Texas before that. But that really solidified me like, okay, this is what I'm into now. And when you were in Boston, how are you finding out uh, about the shows? Were you just like on like MySpace or Facebook at the time or Twitter? Yo, I actually found out about all the shows that I went to through the B9 board. Oh, wow. That's insane. Yeah. I don't, I, there I think was it, like a thread that was just like Massachusetts shows and literally every show was posted there. And I went to, I went to all of them that I could. Okay. That's definitely a throwback. You know that stage when you're like first getting into hardcore where you're like, you don't even know exactly what you really like yet. And so you check out everything. Yeah. I, I, so I was I, going to like every show. I, I, I feel like that's how like I, I still am. Like, obviously like I, I do have like, um, more of a preference but i'm I'm still open to you know check out bands and um go to yeah, totally. shows that i normally wouldn't go to but um i i think it's cool that um you were um aware of the b9 and use that as a um, really good tool to help you find like out what was going on in your local scene yeah it's funny because i mean like i guess most people probably would like laugh at the b9 because it was probably just like a lot of trolling but I mean, yo, it's how I found out about every show. Like that that first year I moved to Boston. And Boston at that time, this is two thousand this is um the end of two thousand twelve. So like there was like three different scenes happening like all at the same time. There was like like bands like Clear, Tree Spirit, you know, that little scene kind of going on. And those shows would happen around like the city of Boston. And then there was like the punk stuff happening too. Like, like I went to a crazy spirit show with like Hank Wood and the Hammerheads and Goosebumps, I think played, I forget who else played that show. And like both shows were equally as crazy. And then that, that venue anchors up like a little bit outside of Boston where like Rude Awakening would always play. And like all these different scenes were like none of the same people, but they were all crazy. So I was going to everything. I was like going to all of them. And honestly, that's kind of how I am to this day too. Like I like all these styles and all these types of bands. When I feel like most people, they kind of just, you know, they they know what they like and they focus on that. Was it uh, kind of strange for you to be in a new town and um, have to see like the segregation of all the different scenes? Like, did you meet people that were just like you who were um, into all the different styles and would um, intermingle between all the different scenes? Honestly, no, I didn't meet I didn't meet anyone that was at like all the shows. 
which I mean, which is weird, but especially coming from Houston, where the hardcore scene in Houston is like, you know, it's almost like you take what you can get. So like everyone, all my friends in Houston, you know, they like all styles of hardcore music and they're at every show. That wasn't the case in Boston. And so it was definitely a little weird to see that. And like, like the first, those first three shows that I told you about, I probably didn't see any of the same faces at those three shows. And did, did that ever like bum you out at all? Because you, uh, yeah, having like a, a more of an open mind, you're able to experience all the different scenes and be able to appreciate all the good music and all the scenes at the same time. I mean, it didn't like, it didn't bum me out because I was 18. So like, I just kind of assumed that's just the way it is, which to a certain extent is true. I feel like that's kind of changed since then, but I mean, I, it didn't really bum me. I didn't really think much of it. I just knew that I was into the music and I was psyched. And half the, like, like at that Crazy Spirit show that I went to, I had never heard of almost, I think I had heard of Goosebumps and that's why I went. Because I think they might have played Chaos and Chaos that year. So I went to see them and I didn't know any of the other bands. And all the other bands, like Crazy Spirit, Hankwood, you know, blew them out of the water. So I was just like discovering all this music because I moved there. So I, I wasn't even really in the thick of it yet. You know what I mean? To make any sort of judgment. Mm-hmm. And how long did you stay in Boston? Well, so that's where, that's where it was a little complicated because so I, I went, I was there for college for five years. Okay. But then like half the year, you know, with all like the breaks and stuff, I would go back to Texas. Like for every every school break, like Thanksgiving break, winter break, spring break, summer break, I was in Houston the whole time, and I formed my first like real hardcore band in Houston after I'd already started going to school in Boston. Okay, and uh, I I know you mentioned you went to music school, but were you going for um like a specific thing? Like were you going to like engineering, or were you like playing an instrument? No, I studied um I studied guitar while I was there, but not like performance. Berkeley, they have this I guess it's a major that you can do where you basically make your curriculum. And so I have a music degree mm-hmm. from playing guitar. But yeah, my curriculum I could I took business classes, I took you know, guitar classes, I took composition classes, I took all sorts of different things, ear training dictation yeah it's like four years worth of just basically various music classes across the board and obviously you're into playing the guitar at what point did you realize that you wanted to start your own hardcore band because i feel um that's something that everybody um who's who's ever been into hardcore has always wanted to be like you know at least try it out you know be in a band whether you know be playing the guitar um being a front man or just having some sort of involvement uh, did you want to do that like right from the start or is that just something that uh, kind of yeah, so happened I after you moved hardcore through like yeah well I, I in high school i was in bands already like before i wasn't i didn't even knew what hardcore was i was in a pop punk band oh okay. it was my first band in high school, I was like 14, 15, maybe. And that was my first band. But then I was in like shitty metalcore band. 
and through that, honestly, kind of slowly figured out about hardcore. And then, so by the time I like was in the thick of hardcore music, it was just kind of assumed that like I was going to be playing that on the guitar. And so it, it just it, it naturally happened. And so that like around, I think it was after my freshman year of school in Boston, I went back to Texas that summer and started a hardcore band in Houston. And uh, so knowing that you were going to be gone for most of the year, like, were you okay with it being part-time or were you going to try to like make it work between both cities? Uh, I mean, we, we were just, it was, there was literally no goal. It was just whenever I'm back, we'll play a gig mm-hmm. or two. Okay. Like over the summer, we would we played maybe like two, three shows. I would always try to get like one show booked in the Thanksgiving weekend that I would be home. Um, and then it was probably the second year. That, that band was called Primal League. And we were a band for like three years. I played guitar. My brother played bass. My friend Boosty played drums. Uh, my boy Jay was on the mic. Um, and that band lasts for like um, we broke up in 2016 and um, we I think we did only one tour and that was with Free at Last and this band from Houston called United Races but that's like the only even venturing out of Houston we ever did we played San Antonio maybe three times but we mostly just only played Houston shows which was for us no more than fine that was sick yeah and for it being your first hardcore band like i guess like most people just never really know where it's gonna go so it definitely is cool that you're able to play a bunch of hometown shows and actually get out of your own city yeah and it was it was cool too because before primal league started there was no like real there's maybe one or two there's no like real active hardcore bands there's like metalcore bands, like shitty bands. But then when we played our first show, we played our first show with United Races and this band called Dress Code. We all played our first shows together on the same day. And that was kind of like, in my opinion, the start of like a kind of like new breed of Houston hardcore music. So we were just like psyched that there was a scene. We were just honestly only cared about houston we only cared about shows in houston that was the only thing on our mind damn that's like pretty cool like thinking about like being like the only bands from like a certain area because the way hardcore is now and social media it's like it's so easy to you know connect with people and um it's not that common to go to a city and there be like no like current bands i feel like um every like major city especially one like houston like should have had something going on so the fact that you guys um all kind of came together at the same time and were able to start something and the fact that you guys cared enough to you know take so much pride and uh, start something like that it's, it's pretty crazy yeah honestly looking back it's sick it's super it's definitely cool and uh i mean that's also kind of the houston culture is to be very like to only really fuck with Houston. Okay. If anything, like that's kind of like the culture to a fault. So, but um, but I like that. I think it's cool. 
so are, are they like um so if i were to travel to houston um uh like i'm really curious like how it would be because i've never been to a show in texas um yeah yeah so would they be like, obviously, like I think people would notice that I wasn't from the area. So um, like, are people nice out there? Are, are they like welcoming to outsiders? People are nice. People, people are welcoming, okay. but they just really put on for, you know, what's happening in the city. Okay. And they, they're, they're very like self-promoting. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely get that. And I, I feel like um, more people should be like that, be proud of where you're from and definitely put on um, for your city because it's the only way uh, people are going to notice if you care about that at all. And obviously, like, you know, people want to rep where they're from and, uh, uh, you know, make their mark. And having a cool, like, having a cool scene in your city that you, that you contribute to there's that's that's i mean in my opinion what hardcore is about like touring is cool you know other bands coming through your city is cool but at the end of the day like if you can't book a show with only bands from your city and have it be banging then like i don't know like that should be like the goal in my opinion so uh, me, um, you know, younger me, my perception of uh, Texas hardcore, I, I would look at bands like um, Tripwire, Sudden Death, um, Will to Live, Bitter End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so like that's like that was like my first exposure of like Texas hardcore. But I think it's cool now. Um, uh, I, I know we have a mutual friend in uh, Jordan Stewart. Oh, yeah. Jay Stewart. Yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, and I I like what he's doing with um unexpressed and like you know other bands out there like Judiciary, yeah. um doing cool things in Texas. Yeah, and there's cool bands. Like honestly, it's cool because we all like like I said, Dress Code, United Races, Primal League. We all played our first show together. Mm-hmm. But then, like fast forward two years to like 2015, we could book a show with those three bands, and the shows would rock and be amazing so obviously you guys had like a, a lot of support from the people in the, in the area to be able to do something like that uh, at any point did you guys um find it hard to get people to actually come to the shows or like make people aware of um their the local hardcore scene um yeah there's definitely a little bit of like a a scene i was so young at the time and i had just kind of I just kind of, as soon as I got into hardcore, I started a band, right? And so I wasn't really aware of, like, the scene before me. But there was definitely, like, old heads that started coming to the shows, like, once these new bands started and were really fucking with it. And, like, they kind of gave our band some guidance, too, me personally. And then we would all just kind of, like, go off for each other's bands, too. So, like... If we played, it was like guaranteed to be good because all of our friends would mosh, which probably like encouraged more people to go because the shows were sick. Yeah, I, I feel like it's really important for like, um, like you know, friends to and uh, like you know, moshing whatever. Uh, when you're 
especially when they're new and um, like people aren't like too familiar. I, I feel like uh, having that kind of support from friends, like, you know, just going off, going nuts and like singing along, moshing. I feel like that's really important because if there's like people at the show who don't know the band or aren't like too familiar, but they see that kind of reaction, I feel like um, they're going to be more inclined to uh, do their homework and get more familiar instead of just, you know, going to see some random band. For sure, totally. And it's the same for like when when like an out of town band, you know, rolls through and like let's say, you know, there's a local opener. If all their like friends are going off when they're playing, it makes the whole show better. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I, I definitely get that. It just creates a better environment. Like it just makes a good crowd, like high energy. You want the room to feel that. Yeah, it, it definitely is weird when there's a band playing and it's like, oh my god, like every, like everybody um, or the majority of people paid to get in, but everybody's just standing around. I was like, is this really what they wanted to spend their money on? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. It's weird. Yeah, I. You should go for your friends' bands. It's simple. Oh, for, for sure, and. I always just like the way I look at things now, I always just try to make the most out of uh, seeing bands live just because in my mind, I'm like, this could be the last time. So it's just like, I just want it to be good and I want to appreciate and um, just enjoy it while I can. Cause uh, yeah, because being, yeah, being like being around for so long, it's like, you kind of realize like not every band's going to last forever and you just never really know. So. Yeah, absolutely, totally. So you, so uh, you were going back and forth for all of those five years you were in school. Yeah, so you know I was doing the band in Houston for a while, and then I started some bands in Boston as well, and that's when I started. I started this band called Burst of Rage with some friends, and then that kind of got me playing shows like in the Northeast. And those bands were going at the same time. Primal, Primal League, it was going in Houston whenever I was there at home. And then Burst of Rage, like we played an Edge Day show in Boston. And so we did like a huge, like full US tour with Free at Last, who Primal League had toured with before. And so once, once Burst of Rage started, that was when I started playing shows in the Northeast and kind of got, you know, in touch with more people up here outside of Boston. And um, from that band, that's how I met basically everyone that I've started bands with since. So uh, how is that process, um, you starting Bursts of Rage um, out there? Because obviously like you were new to the area and, and you were going in between all the different scenes. Like how did you meet the people in the band and how did you convince them to actually want to start a project with like some new kid? Well, it's funny because Burst of Rage didn't start until I'd been there for a few years. Mm -hmm. So by the time the band started, I wasn't even really the new kid anymore. And so I had met like some of the people in the band just through like various, like I think I went to um, Damage City Fest one year and met some of the people there. And then, um, and then some of them would come to Boston for shows too. And so I met them all just through shows in the Northeast because I, I, I was even traveling for shows. Like at first it started with me just going to shows in Boston. And as I got more into the music and like was hearing about shows, 
Oh, I heard about Damage City Fest. Oh, I heard about this show in New York. I would I started traveling to those too. I would just straight up take mega buses like across the Northeast and stuff from Boston. That's and, wild. Uh, since I was in school, like yeah, and, and Berkeley has this weird attendance policy where like students that attend the school they're allowed to tour while attending. Okay. And so there's this policy of you're allowed to miss three weeks worth of school without getting punished, like without it affecting your grade. And so I would just say that I was playing shows, uh-huh. but I would, I was just go, like, I would, but then I'd go to DC for like five days. That's or like crazy. I'd say I was playing a show and go to Brooklyn for three days and it wouldn't affect my, attendance so what when you were taking these mega buses like I, i've never been on one and obviously I, I feel like that time frame was before like lyft and uber and all that stuff was like super prominent um how would you get home like would you have to stay overnight when you traveled out um, of your area or, or would you, or would it run like super late and, and you're able to take one back home yeah i would just take them back home that night usually i didn't stay overnight but once I started to get to know more people in like these cities, I would crash at their place. I think when I when I went to Damage City Fest, I actually got a hotel with some friends. Okay. Some, some friends from like out of state went to the fest too, and so I we kind of like organized a hotel and stayed there. But other than that, yeah, I would just take the bus back that night because there's always like, especially if you take a bus like New York, there's a mega bus going to Boston at like one a.m. Okay. And uh, is it like fairly cheap to ride those things? Oh yeah. Begabus is like, I mean, if you book it far enough ahead of time, it's a dollar. Oh, a dollar. Really? Dang. That's like, no, that's like, that's like the whole Megabus like thing is like, you can get a fare for a dollar, but you have to book it like months in advance. Okay. I, I've definitely seen those buses, but I figured it was just like a scam. Like I felt like dollar was like base price and they'd like charge you all of these other things. I mean, that's like, if you get a fare for a dollar, I've never heard of anyone getting a fare for a dollar, but, but I'm sure you, I mean, if you book it, I, I mean, I, I just think anyone who's taking a bus usually is like planning last minute. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, obviously it would get you there in, in a timely manner since you're able to make the shows. Yeah, totally. Okay. I still take buses. I took a bus to United Blood last year. From well, when 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 Akulu when Akulu played Akulu played. It's funny because we were doing this tour with with Candy and Abuse of Power, mm-hmm. and the Friday the first Friday of United Blood, I had to work, and so I had to work that day. And then we were playing in Richmond on Saturday, so I went to work. And then at like six or seven o'clock, caught a bus to Richmond. Got there like three in the morning damn and, and I, had, I had like just went to where the guys were staying and did that and where were you based out of this was from new york yeah okay so this was just last year so yeah so to bring it back around to, to like i start burst of rage we're playing more shows in the northeast that's how i meet everyone that i've formed bands with since the other guitar player of of Bruce of Rage was Chris, who then we formed Countdown together. 
along with our friend Mike, who dr- drummed in the band Glory that I also played in. So after Bursts of Rage formed Glory in Boston, playing shows with Glory, Bursts of Rage breaks up, form Countdown with Mike from Glory, Chris from Bursts of Rage, and then my friend Chandler from Free at Last, who I had been touring with, he had moved to New York, and so he joined Countdown, too. And then my friend Hardy, who was in Houston, who I knew from Houston Hardcore Shows, he also moved to Brooklyn, so he also joined Countdown. So it was like a mix of people that I had just met through the years of you know, living on all these different places. Yeah, and it's kind of cool um, that you had your buddy from Houston come out, and now it's like the two scenes are coming together. Yeah, it's it's so funny how like you think about every connection you have, and you're like, if I hadn't have done this, or if I hadn't have lived there for a little bit, or if I hadn't have gone to that show, that connection wouldn't have even happened. Yeah, but so that's how that's how that band formed. Okay, and so at this point, you're um, still in Boston? Yeah, this is the tail end now. Like, mm-hmm. 2016 is when Glory and Countdown start playing. Um, in 2017, I think it was 2017, I moved to Brooklyn, which is where I still live. That and is- then when I moved to Brooklyn is when we form Illusion and Akulu. So want to pause right there. So you're, you're finished with school at any point. Did you want to go back to Texas or stay in Boston? Um, or was New York always like your goal? Honestly, I just decided New York because I was like, well, I don't want to move home at this point. Okay. And I don't want to stay here. So where should I go? And I was like, Oh, well, I'll just go to New York. Hey, that's crazy. Kind of just kind of just made the decision. Yeah. So you just packed up. I'm a big believer in with with decisions, like big big deci- like life decisions. You kind of just have to one day say, "This is what I'm doing." Yeah. The, uh, and then it's and it's and then you don't have to think about it anymore. That's true. Decided. Yeah. So I I used to live in the Palm Springs area, and uh, I'll uh, tell you how I ended up in Orange County. I like uh, was. Um, just out of like a long-term relationship and all I did for like three months straight was like work. I would come home and I'd play wow, like world of Warcraft for like 10 hours. Yo, I play wow too. Okay. We can um, go on a whole tangent about that. <laughs> okay. Um, so like I played wow for like 10 hours and then I'd have to go to, um, go to bed because I had to work the next days. And like, I, I literally did that same yeah. process, like, you know, for, for like three months straight. And like, I didn't talk to anybody because, um, I just didn't have like any like really close friends at the time. And, um, like one night I just randomly decided to go to Walmart. I don't even know why I went to Walmart, but I I ran into one of my friends and he um, he was like, dude, I haven't seen in a minute. Like, let's like get lunch and catch up or whatever. So like, all right, like sounds fine. So we're sitting in the subway like a couple of days later. And he was like, dude, like I hate living out here. Like let's move to orange County. And I was like, you know what? I'm down. I have nothing really tying me here. I was just like, if I can get a transfer from my job, I will 100% do it. And sure enough, like just that random conversation in subway, like um, led me to moving to orange County. And like, I never left. It's like been like, like 10 years. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, they bring up and like, why not? 
and it's funny too that goes back like if you hadn't met, if you hadn't have ran into them at Walmart that whole connection wouldn't have led you to where you are now it's just funny how life works out but you yeah you just have to make the call and take the leap yeah and it definitely was scary because like I'm, I'm not gonna like pretend like it wasn't like that big of a deal but like for me just to like pack up and move and like my, <laughs> and like I, I i told my parents i'm like hey like i'm moving away on saturday it was like it was just so like it all happened really fast and for, for some reason like my mom didn't believe me um so yeah. so like i literally like i'm like you know shoved it like everything important to me in my car and like i literally stopped by her work on my way out of town to let her know i'm like hey like i'm serious when you get home i'm not going to be there and it wasn't until that point it was when she realized like oh like he, he wasn't kidding like he's moving away so it, it was really strange i love that yeah um, even that goes I, I i believe that even with like planning a tour or something like that like it can be hard to like get five five people all on the same page in a band but you just have to make i i think you just be like listen this is what's happening are you in or are you out yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's just like the decisions made. Yeah, I, I, you just have to commit. It's like like thinking about it and trying to weigh out all your options. You're just wasting your time. It's like at that point, it seems like you just don't want you aren't that down to do it. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big critic of overthinking and overanalyzing things. Yeah, so you. And were there, was there like a, a specific reason you chose um, Brooklyn? Well, Countdown had been playing a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. We had already broken up by the time I, I moved out here, but we had been playing a lot of shows in Brooklyn and just like New York. And so I'd met some people here. So I was like, okay, well, if I move to Brooklyn, I already like have people I could chill with. Like that's those first couple. You know, those first few months when you move somewhere, you're like, okay, I don't know anyone. But I was like, okay, I already know some people there, so that'll make it at least easier to get settled in. Yeah. And honestly, I still chill with all the same people that that I knew before I got here. That's awesome. That must mean there's some good people, people you can trust. For sure, totally. And, And I already kind of like knew that. You know, the, the friends that I had before moving out here would, like, if we spent more time together, we would be close friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And so that made the decision a lot, a lot easier. And how long has it been, been, been since you moved? Since. I guess two and a half years, going on three. This this summer will be three years, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you ever split time going back home to, to to Texas, or is that just rare these days? Yeah, these days not as much. Um, I'll go some like the occasional weekend, but yeah, all my time is pretty much spent here. Okay, that's fair. So you mentioned uh, you moved to Brooklyn, and then that's um, when you started um, Ikulu and, and Illusion. Yeah, so Illusion started first. Mm-hmm. Um, Illusion kind of the way that started was um, Countdown breaks up. I moved to Brooklyn, but I still have these songs that me and the drummer of Countdown, Mike, that we had written for what was going to be a seven inch for countdown. Mm-hmm. We had these songs and we're like, well, these songs 
are fucking good. We should do something with them. And I think we only had like maybe three songs at the time. And we're like, let's maybe write, you know, one or two more and make a demo of them and then see if we can get anyone else to play in the band with us. And so we demo the, we write a couple more songs and, and Mike was still living in Boston at that time. And so honestly, we must've written those two songs while I was still in Boston for like a month or two after a countdown had broken up. So, yeah, so we write the illusion, we finish the illusion song while I was still in Boston. I moved to Brooklyn. At some point, we demo it out. <laughs> and we're, we're wondering who should sing in the band. We recruited Chandler, who had played guitar in Countdown, to play bass in, in Illusion. And then we were wondering who should sing in the band. And somehow Alex got brought up because he was living at the time in Brooklyn. Okay, and th- th- that was like something I was going to ask because um, obviously I- I've just seen him, seen him like around town, who's Orange County, you know, Fury. Um, but then I I don't know him personally, so when I saw that he was in a band out of New York, I was like, oh, I was like, I guess he must have moved out there. Yeah, so we had met him when Bruce of Rage and Free at Last did that U.S. tour. Mm-hmm. He, in from Orange County, needed for some reason needed a ride to the East Coast. And so he hopped in the van and rode with us and came all the way back to, I think they dropped him off in like DC or something. I think he was linking with Turnstile. He was doing a tour with Turnstile. Oh, okay. And so we gave him a ride. So we had all like, you know, become good friends from that. But to, then he moved to Brooklyn. When he asked he, for that ride. He got brought up. When he asked for that ride yeah. to, um, to the East Coast, you guys didn't know him that well? I had never met him. Oh wow, that's yeah. So, well, that was really nice of you guys. Him, honestly, okay. I don't know who knew him, but we got there, and like I guess some people on that tour. The tour was crazy, and you know I could do a whole like hour, hour and a half story just on that tour. Okay, but we'll do that in the future. We got, yeah, we. I, I'm totally down. But we get there, and i meet him but i guess some people had already like known that he was going to be riding with us so he had like his whole bag like he was ready to go that's wild and so i was just like i guess he's coming with us like, all right and uh, were you guys all in one that, van just rode along we were two bands in one van two roadies alex made it three roadies uh-huh so it was literally like at that point i think it was 13 people in a 12 passenger car and we had a full backline merch it's fucked. Dude, that sounds crazy. All of our bags. Yeah. Sounds like there was no room to move at all if you were in that van. That's crazy. Did you who, who drove? I feel like that'd be like the best place to be up front. Yeah, I mean we just took shifts. That's crazy. I would literally beg people for shotgun every day. <laughs> but um so that's how we had met Alex. Mm-hmm. And um he moves he moved to Brooklyn. A little bit before I moved. So we're wondering who should sing in the band. And someone was like, yeah, what about Alex? I was like, yeah, but like, he's in Fury. And like, would he want to do another band? And we asked him. And he was pretty much instantly like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, oh, sick. And so he wrote lyrics. 
recorded vocals. That's how Illusion started. You're still there? Yeah. Um, okay, sorry. After, after Illusion started, then it wasn't until like a year or two later when a coup started going. So and that was that was formed a whole different way. Okay, let's um, pause on Ikulu real quick. I just wanted to kind of go no a, a little deep on um, Illusion. So you got Alex to join the band. You guys had a full roster. And, um, and so all the songs on the demo, those were um, supposed to be like originally countdown songs? A few of them. I think like maybe the first, like the, um, maybe the first three songs. Mm-hmm. And then the, the last two songs were written after the fact. Okay, so the demo drops in, is it like 2017? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's right. And um, were you guys like uh, happy with the response of like the demo? Because obviously um, people had to check it out. You guys were a newer band from the area. Were you guys playing a lot of shows in New York at, at the time? Yeah, I mean, so instantly, yeah. I mean, people, I think people knew that we were kind of starting another band after Countdown because people really liked that band. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think there was like fans that knew that we were starting another band from that. I think we just, I'm trying to remember what the first show was. Oh yeah, the first show was um, actually with Fury and Trapped Under Ice in Philadelphia. Oh no, you know what? We had played before we had any music out. We had played with that band The Real Cost. Okay. When Texas. they came to Brooklyn. Yeah. And so Alex told me, Oh, like Real Cost is coming here. We should like open the show. Even though we had literally no music. So we did that. And that was the first show, which is cool. I, I like, you know, a pre demo show. Yeah, and leaves but, people um, wondering yeah, like I mean, who the hell's this band? Yeah, and, and you know, even just from that show, it was a positive reception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, people seem to be digging it. I like that demo. That's all. That, I mean, if I like it, that's all I really care about at the end of the day. Yeah, you, you obviously should be happy with the material that you're putting out. And obviously, it's a plus if um, there's people out there who also um, dig the music. But you, yeah, it's, you can't just write it to try to make people happy. Right, yeah. I mean, and then we we just from there gigged, you know, pretty regularly, but not not too much after that. We played maybe around New York a little bit. I think we played New Jersey once. Played Boston at America's Hardcore. So yeah, few, not not too many shows, but a fair amount. And a year later, you guys released Magic with a Smile. Yeah, I think it was like a year, year and a half later is when that Magical Smile came out. One thing I'm curious about is um, you guys don't have it on your band camp. Like, obviously, you can listen to it through like Spotify, Apple Music, or if you bought the record. Um, I was just curious, why isn't it on your band camp? Yeah, straight up, I didn't know it wasn't on band camp. I had no idea. Okay. That's yeah. just pure ignorance. 
Okay. Well, it's 2020. Um, <laughs> a couple of years later, um, you can still put it on there. Maybe people uh, I mean, appreciate yeah, that's it. That's kind of one of the themes for Illusion is like we always kind of just forget to do things. Like we rolled to Sound and Fury. Uh-huh. Early, it was like a day before we were all going to Sound and Fury. And we realized that we haven't made any merch at all. Wow, that's and really so late. We had a, yeah, and so we had a couple leftover shirts that in Mike's like closet or something. So he literally stuffed like ten shirts in his backpack, and that's. I, mean, I think we had a couple records that were lying around Alex's house. Mm-hmm. That's all we had to sell. Wow, and you guys want to try to kind of the illusion style. <laughs> There's no uh, like effort to like try to get like a rush order out. No, it was like fuck it. It's too late. Okay. Huh. Okay. And and also we were just kind of like, what does it matter? Like, should we have shirts? Yes. But uh, fuck it. Yeah, it's not the, the end of the, the world. Attitude, is that? Fuck it. Yeah, for sure. We're and, playing Sound of Fury. It's going to be a fucking sick show. Like, why the fuck are we getting our panties in the lot? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I feel like the memory um, of the, like the set is more important than um, not having merch. Like, yeah, people right, will like, be at the bummed. end of the day. What is it that I'm going to remember? playing music or sitting at a merch table and selling shirts. Yeah. Um, so you guys put out a, a tape with um, Streets of Hate. I was curious, what's the relationship there? Like, um, how'd you guys link up with them? Yeah, so Streets of Hate is done with Alex and Nicole Casey, um, who should totally do the podcast, by the way, because they got a million stories. Um, but, real uh, quick, uh, at- well, I actually have Alex booked for next month, but go ahead. Thank you. I love it. Yeah, it's perfect. But um, so I think we met them through countdown shows. Okay. And then they're friends with Alex through Fury. So when we were forming the band, <coughs> they reached out and they're like, yo, I think they had put out the Mind Force demo. Mm-hmm. Great demo. And so he was, yeah, yeah, good demo. And so Streets of Hate was just, was just a fanzine at first. And they're like, yeah, we're starting to do like a, a couple releases like under the name Streets of Hate. And we we're like, definitely should do Illusion thing. It just, I don't know, we just thought it was cool. I think they also did the, so they did the tape of the demo and they also did the tape of Magic with a Smile. Okay, I honestly didn't know they did the tape with the demo because I, I know they did the one for Magic with a Smile. Yeah, there's, there's they did the demo tapes too. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I like Streets of Hate. It's it's good, and, and there definitely, in my opinion, needs to be more labels. Yeah, that's why there's a couple of rulers of the roost right now. Which there's nothing wrong with you know I'm not I'm putting respect on all of it but mm-hmm. I want yeah. some I want some new stuff you know yeah I I feel like uh, everybody uh, should make an effort to do more and um there's tons of bands and I'm sure there's bands that like we haven't even heard of that are good and I feel like if there were more labels um, those like bands that don't really get the shine or the ones that aren't discovered yet, it'd be easier for them to get their shine because if they had like, you know, their circle, if they had like a little like thing going like record label zine or whatever, just to like pump it out. I feel like the information would move a lot faster. Definitely. And and it goes back to what, to what 
you know, we were kind of talking about earlier in terms of building your local scene too. <laughs> like one thing I always had wished whenever I was playing shows in Houston, I was like, yo, there needs to be a Houston label that puts out all the Houston bands. Mm-hmm. Like, why should we be, why should we be trying to get someone in Boston to put out our record on the other side of the country? Like we should all do it. Unfortunately, that never happened. But I think it's not a coincidence that, you know, cities like New York, LA, Boston, those are, you know, they are have like, you know, classically large hardcore scenes, DC. I don't think it's a coincidence that those are also cities that have labels formed in them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I I definitely understand where you're coming from. I, like they're like uh, kind of like destination spots too. Like like when you look at like those hardcore scenes, those are like major markets. Right, for sure. I mean, it, it, maybe not as much. Like that's definitely changing now. But I mean, take a look at like South Florida right now. Yes, I booming, love Florida. Booming scene in South Florida. Yeah, and guess what? IOU Records. Yes, putting out their music. So I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence at all that there's like a scene has, you know, it's a collaboration between, you know, people going to the shows, people promoting the shows, putting out the records, forming the bands, writing the music, you know, all of this, they all feed into one thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, but also um, <laughs> the the fact that they have the support from their scene is amazing because that's like where um you know people need to realize like yeah um it, it does take a lot of effort to um, do all the stuff behind the scenes but if people aren't coming out to the shows aren't supporting the labels supporting the bands like it's not going to go anywhere so it's really important for the people to definitely come out um and support everybody that's working hard for for their scenes because like I, i've actually been like lucky in the past couple of months like i was in tampa for the point of contact record release show and then i had um a trip to fya a couple of weeks ago so i've been able to see how it is down there right now and it's crazy just um seeing the people go off for like all the florida bands like like all the florida bands had like crazy reactions and i was like damn that's just like so awesome to see kids going like i felt like a little extra crazy when it was the bands from the area it was definitely like a cool thing to be able to experience that yeah i mean and florida is another place like houston like they they really they have pride in it you know what i mean mm-hmm. new yorkers are the same way people from boston are the same way and i don't i mean i can't speak on on maybe like la as much but I'm sure that there's a pride there too. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think that all of this it all goes hand in hand. And, and even to go back to what we're saying, we're like, yeah, mosh for your friend's band. Hey, if you don't want to mosh, I get that. Maybe start a zine. Maybe start a label. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, all of these things add up to something like greater than the sum of their parts. You know what I mean? Yeah, because we're all doing it for hardcore because like we, we want to put shine and just help everything grow that like we're a part of. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I and, you know, I always um, encourage 
my friends, like whenever I see them and I, I, and I, I try not to, uh, do it. Like I, I hate like being that guy that talks about the, like the podcast I'm doing all the time, but sometimes it's hard not to, cause that, that's literally like, um, the majority of what I do, like outside of work and going to Disneyland, I'm you know trying to keep this thing organized. But like whenever I'm hanging out with him, I always just try to encourage them to do more. Cause it's cool. We all go to shows together. We, we travel, go to fest. Like that's awesome. But I'm like, it's, it would be way cool cooler if you guys like you know just did something like um one of my friends evan he's uh doing like promo posters for bands which i think is awesome like he just did one for seat of pain i know he's um, working on one yeah. for ipsara that's going to be coming out soon um so like i i think it's awesome that he's doing that and like yeah like i, I just tell all my other friends i'm like come on like you guys start a band like just do something else like i it would be really cool yeah i mean it's definitely good to be I, i'm always encouraging more you know mm-hmm. people to do more but that's that's the long you know over over thought answer as to why illusion did those stuff with uh streets of hate okay because at the end of the day it's and now they've put out more stuff too yeah and I, so it's it's all it's all like you know it's just a it makes for a healthy music scene mm-hmm. so illusion uh you know it's, um been around and then you guys start ikulu can you talk about how that one came together yeah that one was different um so again it kind of started with i'm trying to think of how far back it went honestly when we were in countdown like we were kind of always talking about like this sound that we one day wanted to have Okay. That was like half metal, half hardcore, maybe more hardcore, maybe less metal, maybe more metal, maybe less hardcore. But like the goal of the sound is like you don't know if it's metal or hardcore. And 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 they're both are right and both are wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you guys kinda like walk that fine line. Right. And so like I want it to be both. And the record that I think does it, that we kind of, you know, at the end, that we're fucking ripping off, is Chromag's Alpha Omega. Okay. Like, I listen to that record, and I'm like, is this a metal record? Because I have never heard a metal record that sounds like that. But is it really hardcore? Because it's not fast, you know what I mean? It doesn't have, like, those things that you <laughs> traditionally associate with, like, the hardcore punk sound that's not definitely not punk by any means right yeah definitely not and so so that's kind of like the a sound that countdown had talked about you know one day having in the in like the long-term future so countdown breaks up and illusion starts you know we're playing illusion shows and then chris who had sang in countdown was talking with mike and i one day and we were like, yo, we should we should start like a band like with that sound that we had kind of talked about before. And I was like, I was like, honestly, I'm so down to do this. Are you guys into it? And they're like, yes, we're not. we're into it. And I said, okay, these songs are going to take me a year to write. So I'll talk to you. This was in August <laughs> oh, of 2017. Wow. Okay. And so 
so this was like a couple months after I had moved to New York. And um, I said, I'll, I'll talk to y'all in a year. And then like May of 2018, I was like, all right, the songs are, are written. It takes like a month to, you know, rehearse them with Mike and get to the studio, do a demo. I don't even like calling it a demo, but get a recording done. And then it takes like another month for Chris to like write and record vocals. And then I think it came out in August, like literally a year after that conversation took place. And is <laughs> the you're talking about the three song? Yeah, the very first, like the self-titled release. Mm-hmm. That was like, those three songs took like basically a year to fully craft. So the writing process for you, did like, how did you know it was going to take you so long? Or were you just um, busy with other stuff that you knew you, you were going to have that much time to dedicate to writing new songs? Or um, is it like a complicated process that you knew it was just going to be um, really hard to write this new stuff? I just knew that it was going to take, it was going to take time because like, like, I, like you said, it's a fine line, the sound. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be a metal at all but at the same time like there's very specific things i knew i did and didn't want to do with with the guitars and the drums and the tempo like i got really nerdy about it. i was like okay chromags never plays at this tempo that youth of today only plays at so never write a fast part like that um chromags they never have or very rarely have like really slow breakdowns right mm-hmm. they don't really chug ever like like you know they don't they play in standard tuning so like they're not really like a lot of the heavier hardcore bands are in a lower tuning they never do that and so like all of these like little puzzle pieces of like what makes that sound i knew it would just take time to kind of like <laughs> hone in on but at the same time, you're honing in on all these little things from like your influences, but you don't want it to be a ripoff also. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you got to try to um, make it your own. Like, obviously, um, right. I when somebody, uh, I can't remember who it was, but um, somebody was like, hey, have you heard that new band? I was like, no, like, uh, I'll check them out. And they're like, all right, like, um, they sound like Cro-Mags. That's like the way I, I like, Ikulu was described to me. So I was like, all right, like, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. So I, I think it's pretty interesting that um, you're telling me that, uh, you know, that's like what you're like basing your sound off of and you being like, you know, getting super technical about it. I, th- I think it's like pretty awesome. I mean, here's the thing. I went to music school. I'm a music nerd. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's a curse. But whenever I'm like, I, I hear, that's what I'm listening for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to, that's that's how I kind of hear the sound of a band is, okay, what tempos do they play? Okay, what key is their songs in? You know what I mean? Things like nerdy shit like that. So, which most of the times hardcore bands like never even operate on those terms you know yeah I mean? th- that's what i was like really, really curious about. i was like wait i was like, <laughs> like are these bands really getting that like technical or are they just riding them and then it's just like you're coming along and you're just like analyzing them like super crazy right no yeah definitely like was paris mayhew thinking all right i'm writing a song in the key of e in the phrygian mode with a 110 tempo no he wrote the song and that's how it sounded but then uh-huh. me trying to, you know, emulate that sound 
I think it's important to take all those elements. And and I did the same thing for the countdown songs too. Okay. Because I wanted I wanted countdown to sound like Chromax. So what I did is I literally first learned every Chromax song on guitar. Oh wow, that's that's wild. So like I can, I can play every Chromax song. Like on and, the spot or. I mean, I could pull up the guitar right now. We could have a little test. <laughs> I'm just curious. Um, okay, all right. And we don't need the test, but I was just curious if you actually re- remembered all of them. That's a lot. That's you know, a lot of songs to remember how to play. Yeah, I, I, at the very least, know all of them. All of the Age of Quarrels. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, and so, but even like, if I want to start a band that sounds like Youth of Today, well, a good place to start would be learning Youth of Today songs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like you know, kind of just the, just kind of how the songs feel to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're like <laughs> familiar with like the structure, and um, you obviously have to know the sound. Right, and so that's how I would go about. Like, if I want to start a band that sounds like Breakdown, okay, well, let me learn the '87 demo on guitar. And so that's that's how I kind of went about finding like honing in on the sound and then from there the reason it took so long is so i hone in on that sound i know all that but now i have to come up with something that's not just a straight up rip off yeah you gotta uh with all that new knowledge you have to um, now craft your own right and so it just took time but you know Definitely everything. People want you to rush on things. People want things as fast as possible. But I don't think there's anything wrong with you know, taking your time. Yeah, because it's not like people were expecting you know those uh, songs. It's, it's just it was a new band that popped up and uh, it just turned out to be really awesome. Right, and and but even now, like people asking me about like in the Kulu LP, and I'm just like. Don't expect it anytime soon. Okay. You know, these things take time. I was, <laughs> you know what I, mean? I was building up to that, but, um, you telling me about, um, how you like, you know, learned all those, uh, Cormac songs. It definitely makes me appreciate the self-titled like way more. Cause now like I, I'm just looking at those songs. I'm just like, wow, like it, it's not like a long list of songs, but it's just like now knowing like the amount of effort that you put into it, it's just like, okay, like I, I should appreciate those more. Yeah, I mean, and definitely, like, I'm definitely just straight up pulling, like, song structure or, like, th- like just things of that nature from, from like, the influences that, you know, like, Chromags, a little bit Metallica, right? Mm-hmm. Just pulling, pulling from those sources, really, and then adapting them into something that is, like, A, doesn't sound like it's from the 80s be a hardcore band in, in like a 2020 context you know what i mean yeah. i guess at the time it was 2018 but yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i want to sound modern yeah and i i feel like you definitely managed to do that well because like you sometimes like you know you, you listen to bands from certain time periods and you're like okay like they're definitely from that time period like if somebody started a band that sounded like that today it, it would definitely sound out of place but listening to uh, Ikulu, like I, I never thought that. Yeah, like you want to pull from old sources, but attempt to make it a sound that is, you know, current. 
So where does that name come from? Chris made it up. He didn't make it up. Well, he came up with the name. Okay. And one day he, like, we didn't have a name at all. And then one day he, I think it was probably around like April. And I, I had texted him. I'm like, yo, the songs are almost ready. So like, give him the headspace. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so he started, you know, Chris does a lot of like illustrations and, and artwork. So he's always working on like visual things at all times. And so he was playing around with visual stuff and he sent me a logo and like a album artwork that didn't end up being used. And it had like the Anakulu logo that is completely different than the Akulu logo now. And he goes, yo, what do you think of this? And I was like, well, that's cool, but what's Akulu? And he goes, that's the band name. And I was like, really? Akulu? He goes, yeah, dude. And I was like, what is that? He goes, it's a Nigerian horror film that he had heard of somehow. And he liked the word. Mm-hmm. And he was like, it's a different, it's a weird name. It's a different name. And we're a different band. So like, let it be known from the top. And I was like, well, when you put it that way, and what's funny is he kind of took a page from my book. You know, I was talking about earlier, like you just got to make the decision. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even he ask. Sending my, yeah, he just like since started sending us like artwork with that name on it. And we're like, okay, I guess this is what we're using. Yeah. Well, I guess it was he a good just, call. He just made the call. Yeah. Because- I, I like the name now. Like now I'm definitely like, Chris was right. It's a good name. People yeah. hate on the name sometimes, I think, but. Oh, really? I, I, I like that. It, it just, um, it, it rolls off the tongue easy, but it, it's so strange. Cause it's just like Ikulu. It definitely sounds, it sounds foreign, but I, I, I definitely think it's like a, a good choice. And it doesn't sound anything like, you know, like corny or cheesy or anything. It, it just sounds different and it, it's definitely like cool. Cause it, um, you know, it goes well with I think the, it the theme also of the band. Plays into like the, I think it plays into the whole, like, it sounds metal. It sounds like a metal band. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So it plays into that whole like controversy of like, is it hardcore? Is it metal? I don't know. Yeah. Could be both. Right. Exactly. Hopefully. Okay. So, uh, now getting to, to uh, the um, questions about new music. So, um, you put out the self-titled and then the following year you guys release, um, two more tracks. Uh, did those um, two newer songs, did that take the same amount of time for you to write? Or since you were familiar with the, the sound you wanted, um, did it take like a shorter amount of time? It took a little less, but honestly about the same. Like when we, by the time the, um, the songs were actually getting released mm-hmm. from the self-titled, um, I was already working on those two songs and so it took maybe like six months for, to write those two songs were you ever con- so, like, i guess half as half as fast were you ever concerned about the live show since you guys don't have a lot of songs that it was going to be like a super short set well no because the songs are so long like this- even those three songs that's like Wow. Over it's over ten minutes of music. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, like most hardcore bands, especially young hardcore bands, are playing for less than fifteen minutes. I'd say anywhere from like the ten to fifteen minute range. That's perfectly fine for like a hardcore band that's just starting out. Mm-hmm. 
but on, now five songs, 20 minutes. It's a 20 minute set. Yeah, that's true. I mean, one song is five minutes long, you know, so <laughs> I was never too worried about it. And then I was also like, well, if we want to make it longer, we'll just play a couple covers or something. Yeah, and you could just dig into that stash of Cro-Mag songs that you know. Exactly. So uh, were you surprised at the reaction that the band got? Because I feel like you guys came out and like you guys definitely like um, got a lot of praise because I, I saw that cover everywhere. And even my friends went out to um, the AHC that you guys played and like that's all they talked about. Yeah, I mean, that set was crazy. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I was surprised. Maybe that's the wrong word, but. I was like, definitely like, okay, this caught a lot of traction very quickly. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I was like, this band is now like, oh, you know, kind of, it has attention from day one. So I have to make sure everything's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, we can't suck at the first show because if so, you know, everyone's watching. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the first impression. You can't really, you know, change that. I feel like we definitely had like those first few shows we played. It was like, okay, we have something to prove because we like the recording had garnered that all that attention. And then like triple B was putting out mm-hmm. a seven inch. And so it was definitely like before we had even played a show that was all like happening. Yeah. Because I, I feel like it, sometimes it's kind of, um, you, you have to balance like trying not to be like, like a hype band, but you know, actually come out and do like a legit performance and, you know, sound the way you guys right. do like on. I, mean, I had no, I had no problems with like people with having all the attention, but I was just like, okay, well now we have to be good. And then I knew that, I, I mean, I wasn't afraid that we wouldn't be good mm-hmm. because I trust like everyone in the band is basically like cherry picked because they're good. But, um, I just, it, I just kind of, I had a little bit of a different mindset with with that band just because of the attention that I knew, like eyes were on. So in 2019, both your bands, um, Illusion and Kulu, you guys went on a full U.S. tour. Can you talk about like how that came together? Yeah, so I think it was at America's Hardcore the one that you were just talking about, Alex, he came up to me and was like, yo, let's do a full US. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if everyone will be down. But he, and then he was just kind of like, he just started telling, like he made the call. You know, he's, he started telling people, <laughs> oh, like, okay. guess what? We're doing a full US. Guess what? We're doing a full US. Mm-hmm. And so without even asking people's permission, we're just like, hey, guess what? This summer we're doing this. We're somewhere we're doing it. Even like we would to the point where like like members of the band, like like the bass player, I know like Luke, who plays bass in Akulu, he probably like heard me telling someone else that we were doing a full US before I'd even asked him if he can. Dang. That's you know what I mean? Yeah, that must have been strange. Like you're like, oh wait, what? I'm doing a full US? I had no idea. But alright. Right. And so it, we had like 
kind of talked about a little bit in December, but then like around like early spring, we were actually like, okay, is this actually happening? Yes. And then just kind of Sam, Sam um, from Triple B, he definitely helped put us in contact with people like, especially in places that we didn't really have much contact before, but also like Burst of Rage had done a full US before. Chandler, who who played in Free Alas, Free Alas has played you know the whole country several times. Alex in Fury has done all that touring, and so we kind of had a lot of connections already. So it wasn't that hard to put together. I th- I think it's awesome what? that um you guys were able to to do that because I, I feel like um you know bands are still out there doing full US's, but I don't think it's as common as it used to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a big fan of the full U.S., especially because, like, it also makes financial sense. It's like, if you want to play the whole, if you know you want your band to play around the country, it makes more sense to do it all at once than to, like, do a Texas weekend, a California weekend, a Midwest weekend, a Florida weekend. Like, you're losing money doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely, uh, I like living where I'm at because I get multiple dates of tours because they'll hit LA, Orange County, San Diego, at least like, you know, one of those three. So, um, sometimes I'll get lucky yeah. and um, it'll hit like multiple. So how, how far is San Diego? Uh, with no traffic from like where I'm at Orange County, probably like just like two hours. It's not that bad of a drive. I'm, I've never played San Diego. I'm trying to. Though. Okay. Well, we got to book another full U.S. I guess so. <laughs> All right. I guess, dang it. I guess I have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, we're in the first month of the year, so I, I feel like um, you have a lot of options, um, you know, to book this tour. So it, it should be fine. Yeah, for sure. And, and we're not we're, we're like not trying to do anything else like too soon. I think we're like both bands, Illusion and Akulu. You know, we did that full U.S. Mm-hmm. That was probably the culmination of like the, you know, everything that's happened up to now for those bands. But then now we're like both bands plan on releasing full length records. So those are both being worked on. right? Oh, and uh, is that with a 2020 release? Hopefully. You know, people, people, you know, people ask me when, and I kind of just say when it's done. Right. Okay. That's fair. Cause you don't have to um, have a deadline. You can just kind of work at your own pace. No, like, you know, feeling right. being rushed. I was feeling very rushed at first. I was like, it, it needs to be out by this summer. Okay. But now I'm like, no, it doesn't. It needs to just be put out when it's put out. Cause I definitely feel like, especially these days, a lot of bands, they go from like being a young band to putting out a full length so fast, which is maybe it's always been like that. But I, I mean, I feel like it, bands used to take more time. Yeah. I would honestly, I, I feel like, um, it, it just 
like really depends because I feel like some bands like they'll jump straight to it and then they'll see success and that's awesome. But then I feel like, you know, obviously there's the cases where bands will do it and then it just doesn't really hit and they just kind of are like shit. Like they have this like full length that people don't really care about and then they either fizzle out or they just kind of go back and try to make things work. And um, it's kind of rare when that happens. Right. And like, I'm not, I'm also not concerned that like people are going to like care about it less because it takes more time. You know what I mean? Yeah. If anything, people will will feel more invested because it's taken so long. Yeah. You you give them the time to bond with like the few tracks that you do have that are out and uh, it gives them a chance to like miss you guys. So when it does come out, it's like, hell yeah, finally, like new songs. This is like what I've been waiting for. For sure. Totally. And, so I, I don't know if they'll be done by 2020, mm-hmm. but I hope so. Yeah, I feel like there's a there's a high chance since uh, we're talking now, and it's like you know we're like halfway through the month. There's a lot of time left. There definitely is, and my my prediction I'll give a prediction. And okay, for Ikulu, my prediction is that a full length record will be. Re- We'll be recording in the summer sometime. Okay. That's my prediction. And um, illusion, probably a little bit after that. Okay. That's fair. I'll uh, write that prediction down and we'll see if it comes true. Yeah, let's see. Let's let's see. We can maybe take some odds on that and put some bets down. So I I noticed with like a, a lot of your bands uh, I'm I'm not sure if all but you've recorded with uh, Will Killingsworth. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about studios? Yeah, can you talk about um uh why you've gone back to him every time and how you guys uh, linked up with him? Yeah, so the first time I recorded with him was um he's in Western Massachusetts, so when. It came time for Glory to record our, our 12-inch. Um, a couple of guys in the band had worked with him before. So like, okay, we should definitely record with Will. I was like, okay. And I didn't even know anything about Dead Air Studios or Will. Come to find out, he's recorded a bunch of sick shit mm-hmm. that I didn't even know about. Like, He recorded the Step Forward 7-inch. I love that record. He recorded Stop and Think in like 2001. Great band. Yeah, which is sick as fuck. I didn't know all, any of this at the time. And obviously, if you listen to the Stop and Take recording, his studio has come a long way since then. Yeah, that's like early 2000s. Definitely rough recordings. Yeah, but but um, but, but I feel like they aged well because sometimes I'll, I'll put them on and I'm like, man, this band's still awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's just because it's just hardcore. It's like plain and simple. You know what I'm saying? Like, just hardcore when it's just that straight up it's timeless you know what i mean mm-hmm. you know like we will be listening to that in 20 years just like we'll be listening to floor punch in 20 years just like we'll be listening to youth today in 20 years because it's just a timeless sound but um so we, yeah i first recorded with him with glory and then what was after that trying to think okay yeah after that was the illusion demo okay and so mike and i have been you know we had been practicing we finished all the songs while i was still in boston and then we've 
Mike had also recorded a bunch of his old bands with Will before. So he had a good relationship with him. And Will was like, I'll, he didn't say it explicitly, but he was like, if it takes a couple of hours to do, I won't charge you for a whole day. I'll just charge you like by the hour. And so we've honestly we busted it out because Mike's an amazing drummer. Like he's incredible. He first takes like everything. That's awesome. And so it took like maybe, and, and we weren't recording vocals there either. So it took like two hours to do like five tracks. And so we were in and out of there so quick and he charges like hardly anything. And so when it came time to do the Kulu stuff, you're like, well, let's just do it with Will again. Why not? It's easy. It sounds good. It sounds great. It's probably the best deal on the East Coast in terms of like price versus quality. You know what I mean? It's the best bang for your buck in terms of a studio that I know of make for to make like aggressive music on the East Coast. That's and yeah, then, that's fair. Yeah, so we did the the self-titled Aku stuff with him. Sounds great. And then I wanted the I wanted the half alive seven inch. I wanted it to sound the same. Obviously it sounds a little bit different. Like there's a couple different tones and stuff, but I wanted it to pretty much be the same. But then the last illusion stuff was recorded with Arthur Rizik in in Philly, which was also sick. And then that sounds, you know, he he has like a more legitimate studio setup. That because Will's is out of his house in, in Western Mass. Okay. And um, so the illusion stuff that was recorded with that that magic of smile that was recorded with Arthur. But yeah, I guess that's a, the last thing that we recorded with Will was Half Alive, Seven Inch, and yeah, Will's the man. So the, best bang for your buck on the East Coast. Tell him I sent you. I know it's way early. The songs aren't even fully written for Ikulu. Um, you guys gonna go back for a third time? I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe, but I also kind of. For a full length, I kind of wanted to. I wanted to maybe go somewhere that it hasn't gone yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, switch it up, try a new sound. I'd say I'd say seventy five percent chance somewhere else. Right, we got more odds. Yeah, exactly. But but you know, there's something tried and true, and like a very ease. You know, he's so easy to work with because he's so chill, and so. There's there's always a chance that you know we'll do something with him again, but in terms of that, then the next release, I think I'm trying to make it be a little bit more high high fi. Okay, and uh, you guys went to uh, Europe, and was it back in November? Yeah, November. Yeah, I feel like that's like a pretty big step for a newer band. Yeah, it was. It was really cool. I mean, Illusion had gone before, and so we had met some people there already. Okay. So a couple, I think it was like around the time the Hulu stuff came out, Illusion went and did a little Europe tour with that band Big Cheese. Yeah. Fucking rocks, by the way. Yeah, awesome band. And, um, yeah, like one of, I think, they're like in the top five current 
hardcore bands in my opinion. But um, we did that tour with them. So we met some people while we did that, including all the people in Big Cheese. And um, then it was, I'm trying to think of what the timeline on this was. Probably in the late spring, um, our boy Callum hit us up, who lives in London. I was like, hey, I think we're trying to do a fest with me and Ola. Ola runs Quality Control Records, that label out based out of London. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I think we're kind of trying to do a fest. Would y'all like to come out and play it? Like, we can totally take care of y'all. Let me know if like, you're down. And I think he brought it up to Mike first. And Mike was like, we should definitely do this. And I was like, yeah, for sure. But it, it was in like the very early, like, I wonder if this will happen stages for like probably six months. And um, yeah, it just like slowly came together. And then next thing I know, there was a lineup announced. And I was like, oh, look, it's all of my favorite UK bands are playing this fast. And at first, they we wanted to do like a, like a maybe two week long tour around it, but it was like right before Thanksgiving. And I think I think Candy was just coming off like some long tour, and so it only worked out where we could do like like five days there. So we were only there for like five, maybe six days, and played like four shows. And it was a it was that London show was probably the best show we've played. Up, up to this point. Oh, wow. Like, even including the shows out here? Yeah, it was fucking crazy. It was, there's a video of it on YouTube. You should watch it. It's like that whole fast, like, you should watch the flex set that's on YouTube, the, the arms race, the last show video. The whole fast was crazy. It's just mayhem. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely go check that out. Cause uh, I feel like that's a pretty strong statement. So I, I definitely want to go see what it was like. And we played, we played, um, I think we played, we played Leeds, Nottingham, the fest in London. And then we flew to Stockholm and played a show in Stockholm. And all those shows were good. The Leeds show was up there with like, you know, any of our best shows, you know, it was on par with our best shows. Stockholm was really sick. You know, the, the, the Swedish guys out there really took care of everyone. Um, yeah, then London was just next level. A lot of people traveled from like mainland Europe and, and were really psyched on all the bands playing. So I, I noticed the other day on Twitter, you guys put up the merch from that run out there. Yeah, yeah. We, we made um, a hoodie. That we made out there, and so we wanted to make a couple too, to you know, because some people out here were asking about them. So we're like, all right, we'll throw them up on there. Okay, I, I wasn't sure if that was just like um, some merch that you guys found laying around uh, and just decided to put them up because uh, you know it's like a couple months later. So I, I was just kind of curious about. Uh, no, it wasn't leftovers, but we, like we knew that people, like we had friends asking about it, so we're like, well, we want our friends to have this. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's a cool hoodie. Yeah, and nobody had to hit up the, the the merch plug. Like, yo, you go, you going to the UK show tonight? Caught me a hoodie. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think this, like someone in California copying something in UK might be way too 
the shipping would be out of control. <laughs> yeah. It would be wild. Yeah. So, uh, on your guys's, um, uh, you know, big cartel and like the cover of the self-titled, um, do you know where that image comes from? Cause I, I can tell it's like somebody's face, but I'm not sure like where it's from. It's, I don't know exactly what it's from. Chris, it's from an art exhibit that Chris was working at. Okay. I think one summer he was, he was, I don't know exactly what he was doing. I think he was painting something at an art exhibit. And it was on just like a TV, like a television. And he was watching it and he was really into it. I don't know anything about it. It might honestly be illegal because I think he just recorded the art exhibit on his phone and then took a screenshot from the video Mm -hmm. and maybe like photoshopped it a little bit. Like to bring out like the colors and then that's it. I, I couldn't tell you. Chris would know though. Okay, we'll have to get to the bottom of that. It's cool though. I like it. I really dig it. Like that—that that was one of the things that he sends whenever he decided what that the band called a cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. <coughs> so you're in the process of writing the new music. Do you guys have uh, any like big shows lined up, or is it too early to talk about? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, honestly, I don't think really anything was planned as of right now. Illusion and Akulu might play some shows together in the spring. We'll see if that works out. But um yeah, honestly there's nothing really on the books right now. Like I kind of mentioned it earlier. I think we're kinda of trying to lay low for a little bit. Especially Akulu, because Akulu came out the gate like playing we played there's a whole stretch of like three months when we played New York City like five times. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, definitely don't want to be oversaturated. No. But yeah, laying low, writing music, doing that, getting together. We've been we've been jamming more lately as a full band, which mm-hmm. I like. And so just focusing on that. Okay, that's that's sick. I can't be mad at you guys for taking the time to just kind of lay low and you know have that time to write new music and you know take time to actually put the effort into it instead of just trying to you know rush out some product just to stay relevant. Right, yeah. I mean, it's, it's no rush, and so I'm not, especially after coming out the gate, you know, playing, doing a full U.S., you know, Akulu's done, like, several tours already in the band for, like, just over, just over a year, a year and a half at this point. Yeah, and that's a lot for, that's a lot for, like, a, a newer band. Right. And like it is a lot for a newer band, but at the same time, like all of us are in other bands and like played together before. So it was really like it was really just like picking up where we've left off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You guys are all experienced, but uh, just with like this newer project. Yeah, exactly. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Like this has definitely been uh, a great conversation. I was like really excited to finally have you on. Um, but before we go, is there anything you want to shout out or plug? Um, definitely want to shout out Houston, Houston bands, scourge guts, dress code, still playing. Apparently they're working on new music. That'll be sick. Erupt. I think it's still playing. 
definitely check out all Houston bands. Always. It's still going strong, especially after, uh, you know, not all those bands that originally formed in that first wave are still, are still together, but it's still, all those shows are still sticking all the bands still fucking uh, narrow ahead out of Houston too. That's what I, that's, that's the main thing that I'm still looking forward to this day. You know? Yeah. You were a part of that. Yeah. It's, it's close to home, even though I don't get to, to go back as often as I used to, it's, you know, still, still home at the end of the day. Well, but yeah, man. Next time I'm out in Orange County, we got to get together. We got to get some. We got to get some some food and chill. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely down for that. I I would enjoy that. So next time you're out in these parts, I'll definitely um, link up and we'll make it happen. Yeah, for sure, man. You got you got to show me around. You got to show me the spot. Yeah, for sure. I can show you around <laughs> um, Orange County and it takes you to the cool places. Anytime, I'm I'm in. All right. Well, thank you again. I definitely appreciate it. And thank you everybody for listening. This has been another episode of the Jamer K podcast. Always on top.